Welcome to Wiper and True, the brewery which is known for beers such as its Kaleidoscope Pale Ale, Milkshake Milk Stout, and a wealth of other fantastic creations besides, has just celebrated its 10th anniversary. Based in Bristol, their goal is clear, and that's to make beautiful beer. Whether it's at the original site at St. Werber's, which is now focused on barrel aging and mixed fermentation, or their stunning new old market brewery and taproom, the team is fully focused on the beauty of brewing. In this episode, we speak to brewery founder Michael Wiper and also the head of marketing Alice Howells about reaching that recent landmark, their commitment to sustainability, expanding their no and low offering, and also the exciting road ahead. Hello everyone, my name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewers Journal. We're here today at Wiper and True's beautiful Old Market Tap Room here in Bristol. And it's a pleasure to be joined by Michael Wiper, the MD and founder of Wiper and True. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thanks Tim. How are you? I am fine, thank you. It's a pleasure to be back, long overdue. I mean, Bristol is obviously one of the incredible forces for brilliant beer, uh, pubs and brewing in the UK. So. If you can't enjoy being here, then you're in the, <laughs> you're in the wrong job, I think. So, um, what a beautiful tap room! Thanks very much. It's um, you know, why print shoes? You say it's you know, you want to produce beautiful beer. The beer goes without saying is beautiful. It's brilliant, but um, brilliant brewery as well, and obviously fitting as well to be here. Tenth anniversary earlier this year. What an achievement! You must be incredibly proud. We are, yeah. This is our kind of tenth birthday to us, present to ourselves. We uh, not a bad one. Feel like we've been we've been working a lot of the the life of the business has been working towards this, and uh, it's way better than I could have ever dreamt of, to be honest. And even not just at the beginning of the business, but even a a year ago when we were just making three D models and talking about plans and seeing photos of the equipment, um, I knew it was going to be good, but I, I didn't expect to be sort of standing in the middle of this and. It, sort of lives up to everything that we wanted. I mean, it must be like a pinch me moment because, you know, in the UK, in Europe, we're blessed. There's a lot of great breweries, a lot of great people behind the scenes as well. But this is a, a truly stunning space. Thanks very much. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a chance for us to do things properly and uh, reset a bit so we could invest in the, you know, really high-tech German automated brewing equipment and a beautiful tap room, but also sustainability measures. So we could put solar on the roof and put carbon capture in. And we, when we raised the investment for the whole thing, that was a really important part of our, our process and our, what we were kind of, what we're setting out to do. So it was a kind of, it was a bit of a chance to reset the business. And the most important that part of that is that it was driven by amazing people and team that we've put in place now. So I feel like we've got, we've got all the tools we need to, to grow and run the business in a really healthy and, and productive way. So, I mean, you know, t- 10 years in, at what point did you know, okay, we want to progress to the next level and that's going to involve a new site with all of this fantastic kit, growing the team. I mean, that doesn't happen overnight. That must be years in the making. Well, I think uh, this is the kind of common story for a lot of craft breweries, but we, the first site we found, um, I remember walking in, it was empty and thinking, this is great, but it's too big and we're going to have to sublet it. And by the time we signed the lease three months later, I knew it wasn't big enough. And it wasn't because we grew so rapidly, it was actually just miscalculations of size. <laughs> but we had to get involved in something and, and get set up. And we outgrew that space very quickly. So we kind of, a few years into being there, we knew we needed another site and needed to start, start working on that. I think the, the driver for going for something this kind of 
of this scale was really um, working with the, the, the great people in the team who were sort of pushing not for a small next step, but let's do it properly. And if we're going to do this and we're going to make this investment, let's make sure it's, it's good enough to last us 20 years. And was it non-negotiable for you to stay in Bristol? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. We, um, we, we love running a business here. It's an amazing place. It's a, it's a great brewing scene, as you said, but it's also just, um, it's got this fierce sense of independence and people support local businesses and um, really get behind us. So it's, this, is, this is our home and where we'll always be. I find uh, breweries and the people behind them are very difficult at accepting praise and, and kind of acknowledging <laughs> Not me! <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, we're in the right place. But, um, you know, getting to 10 years doesn't happen by accident either. I mean... Uh, what do you attribute, you know, that longevity to? Because there must have been a lot of highlights, a lot of successes along the way. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been there's been amazing things to be proud of. I think I feel like the most interesting things that have been highlights for me are always come out of our challenges or our failures, or when we're up against it as a business and the, the this amazing team comes together to solve problems. I think that's what has kept us going and that's what's made us kind of uh, what's got us to 10 years I guess and if I think back some of the kind of key examples of that I remember quite early in the business we had to do a product recall and it was the most horrendous experience going through it and we stopped the business pretty much we, sh we shut everything for like three or four days and we sat together on a table and we're like okay this can never happen again what went wrong and how can we rebuild around it and we changed all our processes we brought in a ex-Heineken head brewer to talk about health and safety we brought in food safety management and that then allowed us to progress towards picking up contracts like Waitrose and and build the business and we we like just fundamentally changed the way we went from being kind of artisan craft having fun with pots and pans to like okay this is a food manufacturing place where we've got to take it seriously or the the winter was really tough for hospitality and the in December our, our venues weren't full in the way we wanted them to be so we turned our efforts to let's make some amazing events and let's be really creative with it and try and try and pull off stuff that you wouldn't expect to see in a in a brewery tap room so we were doing yoga events with beer or make your own beer mug out of pottery or music nights or whatever it was yeah. that we could bring together or the utilities crisis over the last last year which meant our electricity bills skyrocketed so high that we we worked out that it was cheaper to borrow money from a bank to expand our solar install so the roof is now completely full of solar and we had to borrow a lot of money from a bank to do it but the the repayments and interest rate was cheaper than it would be to pay back the utilities because they were so high wow so okay. it's like those moments where things are really difficult which form for me the highlights and the the bits that keep it interesting and keep us keep us on our toes yeah it seems to be like the sort of the hurdles the potential problems you've overcome have been actually like a boon for the business and been a, a long-term gain really yeah they don't always feel like that when you're in the eye of it but it's, of course. A, it's no, where we of it's course. where we come alive it's where we like no um, i understand that and and you know obviously you mentioned the solar panel um installation which i understand was upgraded earlier this year um fantastic carbon capture install as well it really seems that you kind of talk the talk but also walk the walk when it comes to wanting to be a, a more sustainable brewery um well i think the, you know for us there's there's this uh acknowledgement that brewing has a massive impact on the environment it's not a it's not a simple uh, easy easy pathway towards being a sustainable brewery and 
there's a lot of challenges there. There's a lot of things that in, in beer, there's, it's high energy usage. There's a lot of transport and um, there's a lot of impact on agriculture. So we would never claim that we're kind of uh, anywhere near being a really positive or, or like uh, running, running something that is having a environmental benefit as yet but what we're trying to do is do the best job we can and keep progressing with that so the biggest steps so far with um, solar and carbon capture which is uh, making, saving a huge amount of CO2 going out into the atmosphere and we've got a lot of exciting things coming we've, we're this quarter we're um, having our carbon footprint measured and working towards a, a, a roadmap to net zero by 2030 and have some quite exciting stuff coming around. We're, the next big project that we're looking at is biodigester for our spent grain to yep. create energy that we can then reharvest in the brewery. Fantastic. I mean, as obviously uh, viewers and listeners can hear and see today, we are in a working brewery, of course, which is, which is great to see. I mean, for, for other breweries that want to make and take those first steps in, in doing better, you know, and obviously you know, there are benefits as well for the business too. I mean. What, what, what's your advice? I imagine it's kind of daunting for, for people making that first step. Um, I guess the, I, th I would say start with the things that are, have wider benefits so that, that you, you know, the carbon capture gives us, it will, it will save us money long term and it will give us protection from when the CO2 the shortage has happened. So it, it really sort of protects the business from, from um, wider impact or the solar on the roof, which is actually, like I said, cheaper than utilities at the moment. So um, start with those things if you can get the funding in place for them and then look at the, uh, all the small steps that really add up. So what are your labels made out of and what, how are you getting your boxes sourced and just, yeah, just get, get going. Yeah, it, it strikes me everything is, is done with a sort of considered focus here though at Wiper and True. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's planned and then that, that plan is sort of executed accordingly. We've been showing around the brewery earlier, which is obviously, as I said, a beautiful space. Um, lots of capacity, but lots of room for growth. And can you give us a bit of an insight into into the um, the brew house and the cellar that we have here? Yeah, we um, we started from scratch. We had the privilege of moving into a kind of an empty shell of a building, so we got to design it from from the ground up. Um, we worked with an amazing German brewery builder called Ralph who um, designed and built the, the equipment for us, all led by our master brewer, Marvin. Um, and we um, put in, we designed it to the spec, exact specs we wanted with the best sort of control parameters that we can have around uh, temperatures, times, uh, full control over volumes and everything that we need to make really consistent beer. Uh, we have an amazing tank farm and um, 5,000 can an hour canning line and um, newly installed chilled warehouse so we've kind of yeah we've kind of got everything we need yeah I mean is that again just kind of going okay if we're going to do it let's do it right you know build for the future absolutely I think you know the first years of the business were doing the best we could with startup with no budgets with um, getting getting everything set up and running and then and then trying to make the best of it um, but again this was an opportunity to go stop and and having spent eight years doing this, feel like, okay, let's, let's do it the way we want to do it. And yeah, yeah. We were lucky enough to be able to pull it off. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. And, and people can see proof is in the pudding, as they say. I mean, we're obviously halfway through this year. Um, it's been a, a manic but uh, productive couple of years for the brewery, um, and obviously 10th anniversary this year. I mean, what does, what does the rest of the, uh, the year have in store? Because it doesn't strike me as a brewery that's 
happy to rest on its laurels. And no, we're excited about the <laughs> momentum. We want to keep up with it. So um, I think the, the biggest things for this year around sustainability are submitting our B Corp application and doing our carbon footprinting. Um, in terms of then wider things like products, there's a lot of focus on our um, pushing to release alcohol-free Kaleidoscope. So Kaleidoscope's our main brand. It's, our, it's sort of 60% of our production. And we are really excited about this. In Q4, we're going to be putting out the 0.5% version of it, which we're confident is going to be a really, really good alcohol-free pale ale. So fantastic. Um, there's a lot of drive towards that. And, yeah. and then we're looking at um, the wider kind of five-year plan about opening more venues. So we've got sites on two more venues in the southwest. Um, and continuing the kind of growth, growth path that we're on. Um, I think that the kind of the exciting part of the industry at the moment, it's, it's got a lot more challenging over the years. And when we started, there was a kind of, you know, you made, you made, uh, made some nice beer and it sold and it was, all, it was all so much energy and excitement behind it all. Actually, now things have got a lot more challenging and we've had to start behaving like traditional businesses and investing in marketing budgets and looking after people properly and, and having the right sort of set, of set of targets and ambitions. And, um, and, and at the same time, there's pressure on costs and cost of living crisis and people on hospitality. So the, it, it's, got, it's become a lot more challenging, but we're really excited about that. We're like, this is the kind of where we can um, take those challenges and uh, as I said earlier like take those challenges and think creatively and try and try and get to the next level does it feel like 10 years yep <laughs> <laughs> but what I think to be proud of though you know a lot of hard work um, blood sweat and tears I imagine but you know something to show for it something incredible too thank you very much Hey everyone, um, we're back and we're now joined, it's a pleasure to say, by Alice Howes, the Head of Marketing here at Wiper and True. Hello. How are you, Alice? I'm very well, thank you. Thank fantastic. you for having me. No, no, and thank you for hosting us. It's been a fantastic afternoon so far. And I said to oh, Michael good. earlier, always a pleasure to be back in Bristol. Um, so we were discussing with Michael as well, fantastic achievement, 10th anniversary. Yeah. Something to really be proud of. Um, viewers will no doubt I've seen earlier in the years, well, you marked that occasion with some really fantastic collaborations, great yeah. breweries, great styles. And um, could you tell us a bit about that project and how that all came about? Yeah, definitely. So um, I think Michael mentioned, we kind of viewed the new brewery as our birthday present to ourselves after 10 years, big achievement. So we wanted to celebrate with something big and shiny. Um, and then we kind of wanted to really put the brewery through its paces. So we had all this amazing new equipment that opened up new technical possibilities for us, new quality options. And we wanted to, yeah, really kind of go for it. So we decided that the way to do that would be to try and release six collaborations simultaneously. Could have been 10. Could have been 10, yeah. Could have been worse. <laughs> yeah. um, so we kind of approached who we viewed as kind of style leaders in their particular specialisms and asked if they would want to collaborate with us on six different beers. Yeah. Um, so we worked with Dea, Beak, Verdant, Donzoco, Vault City and North on a kind of variety of things from like a table pail right through to a big stout and yes. a silly sour and yeah. everything in between. Um, so some of the creme de la creme really. Then, yeah, of, it, of, was, of, it was really cool. The UK brewery. I mean, some of the beauty of beers are that they, you know, 
they, they, when they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. But I imagine, you know, that th there could be some rebrews of them in the future. You know? Yeah, there's, there's definitely kind of technical things that the production team really enjoyed getting to grips with. It, the way we approached it was we teamed up people from our sales and marketing team with people from production Great. and then kind of equivalents from the collaborating breweries. Yes. So we kind of did a bit of knowledge sharing and sort of riffing on each other's house styles and things like that. So like Dea have worked a lot with the fresh frozen hops from Yakima yes. and we got to use that for the first time Brilliant. and we loved that. Um, kind of working with Vault on more extreme sours than we would normally do ourselves. So it's yeah, really cool to take bits of each other. And That's what modern craft beer is all about, though, yeah. isn't it? It's you know, camaraderie, community, and, and as you said, collaboration. And yeah. were they all brewed here as well? Yeah, so we hosted six uh, collaboration brew days in the space of about two or three weeks, yep. Um, yep. kind of back to back, um, all in here. Uh, did a couple of kind of tap takeovers and things with the other breweries that came down yeah. all over the same period of time. So it was an intense couple of weeks, but very fun. Well, I saw them land in bottle shops, those beers, and then swiftly depart. So, you know, <laughs> pe people, people knew the good stuff when they saw it. So it's so obviously, you know, great gamut of styles there. Yeah. Um, can you talk us a bit as well about your, your growing focus on the no and low space as well? Yeah, of course. Um, so at the back end of last year and into January, we did a big campaign around our first alcohol-free beer. Uh -huh. um, it was a 0.5% lager called Tomorrow. Um, kind Beautiful of a, it is too. Thank know? you very much. Yeah. Um, a Munich Hellers style lager. Um, and when we first knew we wanted to do an alcohol-free, mm. Michael and Marvin, our master brewer, sat down with some of the team and they kind of looked at all the styles and all the methods that you can approach making alcohol-free and eventually landed on de-alkalizing. Um, so I'm sure everyone is aware, but if anyone isn't, you basically brew a full strength beer and then you strip out the alcohol very slowly and gently. Um, and we kind of felt that the beers that we tried that were brewed in that way were just the most true to the kind of beer that we like to drink, the most full flavored, the most kind of authentic, for yeah. want of a better word. Um, so yeah, that was how we did it. And um, tomorrow was kind of our first really big integrated campaign that we did. So sales and marketing and production all working really closely on a big proper launch. So we kind of hosted a month long series of events that were around getting out. Obviously January can be a horrible month, bit depressing. So we kind of were encouraging people to go out and about, try something new. We did um, like a big takeover in here where we did a ceramics open day that was free where you could come and learn pottery. We did like cycling clubs and running clubs, yoga events, all Fantastic. kinds of things. So that was like our most successful launch yeah, that we've ever done. Yeah. Um, oh, and so the, the lager to start, but I understand there, a pale coming next. Yes, so very excitingly, we're gonna be doing an alcohol-free version of Kaleidoscope. So our flagship pale ale, um, it's a classic citrus Simcoe mosaic very drinkable, very yeah. refreshing, bright pale ale. And yeah. we're it's even got its own soundtrack here at the brewery yeah. too. Good to hear. So we're going to do a kind of, um, yeah, a, an interpretation of that. Obviously, it'll have its differences. It's never going to be the exact same beer, but our kind of spin of on that in an alcohol-free way. Great stuff. I think it's really, you know, missed opportunity now for, for great breweries to really look at, you know, beyond beyond beer almost you know the no and no space and then the other drinks that come with it and yeah i mean you know guests to your beautiful tap room here can obviously enjoy you know beers from the source and obviously a myriad of other drinks too it's yeah. a fantastic space it's an inclusive space i mean how important was this tap room when when building this new fantastic facility yeah so we kind of knew from the start of the project that we wanted to do the tap room properly i think often 
naturally the way tap rooms come about is as an add-on to a brewery by their nature um so there can be like all the all the cliches they're cold they're uncomfortable they're not accessible there's no toilets all that kind of stuff and we wanted to kind of zoom out and think about it from the beginning um, so when we were working with a designer on the space we we kind of put accessibility and kind of beauty I guess at the heart of it from the beginning so we're on an industrial estate like with a big car park and other 90s buildings and warehouses <laughs> around it and we wanted to make something that felt very different from that so we dug up the car park we put in a huge garden that you guys saw on the way in and um, we kind of thought very carefully about the customer journey for whatever kind of customer was coming in whatever their personal experience or their physicality so we've got a dropped bar area for wheelchair users so that they have easy access to the bar we've got a lot of movable furniture so anybody can sit anywhere all of these kind of small things that i think yeah when you build a tap room last minute on top of your brewery it doesn't always get thought about um, and yeah i think we we think it's really important but there's loads more to do in the space even well, now. Well, I, you know, I think being modest because it's it's a beautiful space like the you know the whole brewery is too. So thank you. As I said to Michael, be very proud. Thank you. We are very proud of it. Yeah, rightfully so. <laughs> rightfully so. So if if people want to come down to beautiful Bristol and, and visit the Old Market Tap Room, um, what are the sort of hours and days of operation? So we're open. Um, we've got two sites. So we're open here uh, in Old Market on Wednesday to Sunday. And then we also have our um, amazing original site, which is now becoming, uh, we're transforming it into a barrel store and, um, and brew pub there, which will be happening over the next year. Um, and that's open Thursday to Sunday. Amazing. And it, you can buy direct online? That's through right. Yeah. What, uh, do we have an address? Uh, yeah, it's wiperandtrue.com. Easy. Right, yeah. Easy. Well, thank you, Michael. So big thanks today to, to Michael Wiper, the MD and founder of Wiper and True, and also to his colleague, uh, Alice Howes, the uh, Head of Marketing, Yprintu. Thanks very much. Thanks so much for having us. Pleasure, and thanks for having us too. See you next time. The Brewer's Journal Podcast is a production of Reby Media. Produced and hosted by Tim Sheehan. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And special thanks to Alice Howells, Michael Wiper, and the entire team at Wiper Intrude.